Hello, Internet. Sure. This is Genius Cast with Scott and Mike. I'm Scott Green along with Michael Botta. Mike, how are you doing today? Doing well. I was gone last week. I had to pay royalties and all of the Oxford English Dictionary quotes you guys read on the air. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at WhoIsScottGreen. Mike is at Michael Botta. That's B-O-T-T-A. We are joined today by a very special guest, Ian Terry. Ian, how are you doing today? Doing really well. Thanks for having me. And Ian, how can people find you on Twitter? Uh, that's going to be at Tulane, uh, T-U-L-A-N-E, like the university is what it's referring to. Terry, T-E-R-R-Y, all, all one word. And what does the Terry refer to? Good one. <laughs> uh, Ian, for those who don't know, is the winner of Big Brother 14, and uh, he's he's one of the earliest people on the, the Genius Bus here in the States. He's played many of these games himself, so uh, we will talk to him about, about that later on. And uh, we've, we've actually got a game today, Ian, that you and I have both played separately as a board game called No Thanks, so we'll talk about that as well. So, um, Mike, before we get into it, did you have any like quick thoughts on the previous episode since uh, you weren't around for it? We were talking to Miles and I instead. Well, so the, the econometrician in me wanted to be a part of the discussion on variance. I think you guys did a great job. I would just say, to reiterate in a slightly shorter form, think of variance as... Uh, if, if you know the probability of something occurring just based on doing the math, if a game has high variance, that is essentially saying that there is a higher likelihood that that thing won't happen. If a game has low variance, there is a higher likelihood that that thing will happen. So flipping a coin, uh, you would expect that if you flip a coin 50 times, that half of those times it will be heads and half of those times it will be tails. Uh, if that happened... You know, very close to that number, that 50-50 split, you would say that it was a low-variance event. If it happened, you know, much less uh, like the distribution you would expect, then it would be a higher-variance thing. So well, if it was a coin with black on one side and white on the other, would it still work? Still works. All right. Nailed it. So, uh, Ian, how are you I enjoying the season so far? Um, actually, I really am enjoying this season. I think uh, I think I could definitely say I think it's my favorite one yet. Um, you know, it might be recency bias there by all of about three months, but I actually am really enjoying it. I mean, started out with a bang, and I mean, it's going strong. I haven't had too many episodes where I was like, uh, "This was weak." Uh, so, uh, when did you when did you start watching the show? Did you were you live for any of season three, or or did you catch up after season three? I caught up after season three. So I actually started, I guess, right after season three ended, since I think that, that was around December of uh, 2014. I started in January 2015. Um, Colin Stone had messaged me through Twitter direct message, like, hey, you got to check out this show. It's really good. It's subtitled, but it's worth it. And I was a little bit hesitant at first with the subtitles, but um, once I sat down to watch it, I was definitely intrigued just by the opening sequence. And uh, the moment for me where I was hooked was not the Garnet heist, but um, it was, in fact, Jimmy Cha saying, like, you do realize how this is, like, seventh grade level simple, and everyone's just, you know, completely in awe at this fact that he states, and he says, uh, you know, someone has to have a card left, right? And then it was that, that that was the moment that got me hooked, because it was really that first time that somebody kind of, really just use some higher level thinking to apply to what seemed like a pretty primitive game. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, well, that's great. Uh, so we're we're happy to have you here. Um, let's let's get into episode eight, which is the first uh, the first time we've seen a replay of a main match, or essentially a replay of a main match in two different seasons. We've had, of course, uh, uh, we we're gonna have a second horror race this season. We had uh, scamming horse race twice in season one, and so forth. But this is the first time we're seeing a game again in another season, and it's very interesting because the players have all had a chance to think about this game. They've they've had a couple years to to chew on it, and none of these players were around deep enough into season two. Uh, to play uh, to play this game, uh, I'm kind of curious if they would have done it, even if uh, any of the players who had played it were still in. I suspect they probably have these things preset, but um, I think it's an interesting dynamic that we happen to have five players who haven't played it at all. Uh, so we begin the episode. Junsak and Dongmin enter, and they talk about working together. And I've watched the episode twice now, and I'm still not sure if they actually did. <laughs> Yeah, it was interesting to watch the second time around to get a sense of what was happening there. Uh, Dongman uses it to great advantage towards the end of the game. Sort of the only real thing that comes out of the fact that they're working together is that he's able to call it out, and Jinsok is willing to confirm it, which sort of proves Dongman's trustworthiness in a moment when uh, he needs something to prove it. So as usual, a pair or an alliance works out way better for Dongman than it does for the people he's with. Yeah, up until he gets picked for the death match. Um, so everyone is impressed with Kyung Hoon from the death match the previous week. And, you know, honestly, I mean, he he did equally as well as Jung Moon. It was just that they both played perfectly, and it was a question of, like, who's going to be the first person to uncover all their symbols that they need. So it was a great performance, but I don't know that it was, like, exclusively Kyung Hoon's. Jung Moon did essentially as well, and I suspect that, like, Hyun Min and Jun Sayak probably would have done as well, too, maybe Dong Min, too. Uh, Kyung Ran, I think, would have still been staring at the board as like her tile faded back and back and back. So, uh, so uh, they, we start giving garnets to Kyung Hoon, who is collecting them, and he's now up to like fifty thousand garnets, which is a, a pretty good number. We're already up to like at this point in the episode, I believe we have about seventy-six garnets in play total, which is the I believe the big, biggest prize pool so far. If the season were to end right now. Um, so they talked about earlier in the season they're going to have a bigger prize pool, and it looks like they really might. So, um, that's yeah, they're still they're already above all three. I I don't think they're quite going to get to Sangman's goal of getting it above two hundred thousand, <laughs> but it's a good start. They they might get to a hundred though. I mean, we don't know what they're going to do. There's going to be a garnet match coming up still, and um, I I believe Kuran lost her garnets right. She started the episode with. Uh, she had 12 at the start of the main match, and I, I can't remember. Uh, they're uh, they're down to 75 garnets after this episode, so there's a net loss of one. Okay. Well, I mean, that's the wrong direction. Uh, but in any case, uh, it leads us to the, the big question of the episode. Mike, Ian, uh, what type of Kim or Kyung are you? <laughs> I that, So that's one of those things I haven't quite figured out yet about Korean culture from watching this show. I have no idea what they're talking about when they do that. Is it the actual <laughs> symbols themselves? The character, yeah. I think there's like different Kim characters, right? And they they're referred to different things, yeah. Ah. All right. Well, there you have it. What kind of bada are you, Mike? Uh, the best kind. All right. There you go. Yeah, I'm I'm going to leave it at that. That's all we need to say. I got I got to trust you. Uh so uh with that we go to the opening credits. And uh, oh, um, and of, of course, Dongmin is Kyung Hoon's dog now. Is the other fun thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, opening credits, and we were introduced to minus auction two. Now, a couple differences between this game and the previous minus auction. So we'll start with the rules. Uh, there are uh, cube, or there are number cubes numbered uh, negative three to negative thirty-five, 
and your goal is to wind up with the uh, the with a total with the absolute value closest to zero. So uh, for uh, every every time a number comes up, in order the players have a chance to either take the number or to pass. If they pass, they have to throw a chip, or if they're out of chips, a garnet into the middle. And when whoever finally takes the number also gets the chips and garnets in there. So ultimately, you add up all your negative numbers. Um, then you you add one po one point for each chip. So chips help get your score closer to zero. And uh, garnets are not uh, involved in the score. And whoever's number is closest to zero is the winner. If you have consecutive cubes, only the cube with the number, uh, again, closest to zero counts. So if you have negative 17, negative 18, only negative 17 counts for your score. Um, but one, one yep. big change this time, uh, whereas last time one number was taken out of play and nobody knew what it was, this time two numbers are taken out. One is completely gotten rid of, and the other one there will be an option, uh, there will be a Garnet auction after 17 rounds where one player will have the chance to look at that number and decide whether to remove it from play or throw it back in the hopper. Yep, and last time around, so you mentioned that's the big difference. I think in the last game we saw that having a big Garnet lead played a big role in the game. And having a Yohan also played a big role in the game. Mm -hmm. So Yohan, having been willing to essentially throw it to Sangman, really determined the outcome. But, but so did the fact that Sangman was just dealing with more options. He had so many more Garnets. He was able to use them to his advantage. And we're going to see uh, Kyung Hoon try to do something similar here, or really play up his big Garnet advantage and, and use it over the course of the game. And yeah, really use it to try to even bigger, build a bigger advantage to set himself up for the last Garnet match. The other big difference is that uh, last time around, and I checked the rules, I watched, I rewatched the rules from that episode, uh, last time around you could pass with either a chip or a garnet. This time you can only use a garnet to pass if, if you're, you're out, out of chips. chips, right? Yeah, only if you're out of chips. So um, I, I want to talk about uh, No Thanks, which is the, it's a card game uh, that you can get, uh, it's, it's, it's about it's 10 box. bucks. Yeah, it's pretty cheap. It's a it's a little box. You get the you get the cards in there, negative three to negative thirty-five, and a little bag with fifty-five chips. On the genius, you get nine chips. With no thanks, you get eleven chips uh, in in your hand, and uh, uh, you're supposed to play with up to five players, not six. And then also in no thanks, you remove nine of the numbers nine. instead of instead of one. Um, Ian, is that a, is it a good substitute for playing the minus auction? Yeah, actually, I've played this game uh, pretty extensively um, with coworkers, and I've actually really enjoyed it in the past. Um, I have a copy of it on my desk uh, at work. Um, I haven't gotten to play it yet this year, but, I mean, it is a great game. Um, I always think about, you know, what it would be like to try to remove more cards than nine. Um, I've never done it, but, I mean, given that there's not, you know, as much collusion uh, as openly as there would be in the Genius, then... Um, I don't think it really makes it that, that big of a difference, but it's a really entertaining game. It's a fun filler game. It takes like 10 minutes tops. Yeah, you so play a lot of rounds really real quick. Time. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I mean, it, given it, that both of you guys have played it, how would the strategies you'd employ in No Thanks map to the strategies we see in Minus Auction? I mean, personally, I'm the type of guy that really likes to get 34, much like Jinho did. Like... I remember the first few times I played it, people avoiding those high numbers like the plague. And, um, you know, I, obviously the idea is that you want to get that high, that high set of numbers in the 30, so that way that the first time a consecutive number comes up, you can really just gouge the price for it, and, I mean, you can just rake in the chips. So I'm the type of person that likes to get somewhere in the high uh, 30s, or just in the 30s at all, really. But... Um, 
for me, there's always a premium to take 35. Like I ha there has to be a lot of chips on it for me to take 35 because it only connects on one end. It's it's pretty straightforward though. I mean, like, so on the on the genius, you're playing not just for the numbers, but you you have garnets to take into account. You have your reputation. You have future games. You have you know trying not to come in last place, and also uh, trying not to be too much of an asshole to anybody so you don't get picked for the death match. Whereas when you're playing no thanks, there's no future to it. You're playing with your friends. You're playing a game that's just a game in itself. And if you can't come in first place, it doesn't really matter. So the dynamics are a little different. And also because there are nine numbers gone, the strategy of taking like 21 and 24 and hoping for 22 and 23, it, it's much more likely that one of the, the two numbers in the gap won't be there. Whereas on the Genius, uh, there's only one or two numbers that aren't coming up, so you're pretty likely to get those numbers in the gap that only appeal to you. So uh, when you're playing no thanks, it's it's better to, to just take a number and try to get the numbers like adjacent to it and build out that way, as opposed to taking the leap of, of giving yourself a yeah. gap that you're trying to fill. I would never in no thanks take a two number gap. One number gap I have done and you know it works out sometimes, sometimes it doesn't, but two number gap no way. Yeah, too risky, but it's a it's a great strategy on the genius where there's only one number that's gone for sure through the first half of the game and and maybe by the second half there's another number gone, but your odds of getting of, of filling that in depending on how early you can get those two numbers are pretty good. And like anything else, I mean the, the earlier you can make your 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 two number gap, the better your chances of filling it. I mean, if your if your first two numbers you get are, are 21 and 24, the first two numbers that come up, then you've still got uh, what 30 numbers uh, mm -hmm. to to catch the other two in between. Like if it takes you five numbers to get those two, you've only got 25 chances to get them both. So um, you know, the earlier you can do it, the better. And that's part of the reason why at the very beginning of the game, when everyone else is thinking about um, trying to keep big numbers away from them, it, it makes a lot of sense to to start taking some numbers and give yourself the biggest chance possible to to connect them. So, um, all right. So uh, there's a little, uh, a little bit of no thanks. And as we start the the main match, Kyung Hoon with a big uh, garnet lead. He's got 20. Kyungran and Jun Seok each have 12. Hyunmin and Jinho each have 11. And Dongmin trails the pack with only 10 garnets, which Kyung Hoon tries to get all of later in the episode. <laughs> sort of. Uh, so the uh, the first number up for grabs is negative 30. It's passed five times, and Hyunmin takes that. He also takes negative 8, and uh, he is now trying to fill a 22-number gap. Can he do it? No. No, of course not. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. That's going to be tough. Yeah. I, um, I also thought it was interesting that we, we start off here, we get a little bit around what alliances are forming. So just getting started, we see that you know, coming off of the intro, uh, Dongmin and Junsak are gonna try to work together. Uh, we know that coming off of last week that Kyungran and, and Jinho, you know, they they pointed out right here that they'll they'll do what they can for one another, but there's very much still a split from the Kyungran and Jinho side of things to the Dongmin and Hyunmin side of things. And I guess I was surprised at the beginning of this episode. Uh, it becomes very clear by the end that. Dongmin and Hyunmin don't seem to be working together so explicitly. By the end, they are explicitly not working together. And I was curious, did, did anything happen to to lead us there? I, there's nothing that we've really seen that makes me understand why this split becomes so stark over the course of this episode. But no, and you have to. Uh, wonder, did you guys have any read on that? You have to wonder, like, what episode just aired in in Korea? Uh, you know, as they're, as they're getting ready to play this game. I mean, I, I can't think of anything in the first few episodes that Hyunmin or Dongmin might have said that would have upset the other one. Uh, I mean, that would have stood out because we, we've been presuming the whole time, based on everything we've seen, that they've got to still be working together. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can think of 
It was that they may have gotten to the point where Donglin was willing to sell out his entire team to try to save Sangmin. But even that I don't think would be enough to make Kyunmin, you know, go off this starkly and say that he's just done trying to work with Dongmin. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. That's That timing works out on that pretty well, actually, too, um, now, that, now that you mention it, because that was episode three, this is episode eight. That's, uh, that's about a five-week gap, so that actually could be it. Um, that I've is actually a... um, I've put a lot of thought towards, like, the timetable. Um, and one thing, and I'm, I'm glad I didn't notice it at first, but um, they did, like, this promotional event um, right around when the show had come out. Uh, yeah, Mike and I have talked about this, but go ahead, because we have yeah, thoughts on this, how, too. How Jung Hyung, well, Yo Won didn't even bother to show up, and, like, yeah. Jung Hyung just totally looked like he didn't want to be there at all. Yep. Um, so that should have been a giveaway, but I, yeah. I wasn't paying enough close attention. But I think it's about six weeks off. And and Mike uh, Mike uncovered something interesting from Sangman's Instagram. Maybe what what tell everyone what you found out about about Sangman yeah, on that day. Sangman Sangman showed up late to the press conference, like very late to it, which I tried to just read into it as like he got a flat tire on his uh, on his sex man. Yeah. But I've got to interpret that he was just kind of checked out and he knew that he wasn't going to show up on the show again for many weeks to come. Yeah, when we were watching that, actually, Mike, you and I were talking about um, who looked completely disinterested, and we were both surprised that uh, Kyunghoon was was so jovial with Hyunmin, and they were like such the center of it. But if you look at who was eliminated early in the season, yeah, uh, Junghoon just did not want to be there. Uh, Yoan didn't want to be there, and so wasn't there. Uh, Sangmin was way late. Uh, lawyer Yoon-sun looked like she was on it. I mean, she was standing next to Junghoon the whole time. Um, I'm, I don't know if Yu Yun had been eliminated yet. I think they showed him like drinking a, a Coke, and that was about it for him. So it was it definitely yeah, was a little bit but, spoilery. I think the one I called. Yeah, if you go back and watch like, it again now, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, essentially, everyone who is hanging back and sort of in the in the distance over the course of that behind the scenes footage is someone who got eliminated in the first half of the season. Yeah, I, the only one I got wrong was uh, Dr. Yunsung, who also seemed like a little hesitant to join the group. But I, I think he probably was still alive in the game at that point. But yeah, that, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a that's a great point. And that was something that we talked about, and we weren't certain about it, and we wanted to sort of you know not not bring it up because maybe it was a spoiler, and it turns out it was a spoiler. And, and uh, we only spoil old episodes, and we spoil all those. I didn't give the spoiler warning today, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But hey, now we know. Like, hopefully, there's another season of The Genius, and now we know. If there's press conference footage, just don't stay watch away. it. Don't watch it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So uh, where were we? Everyone's working. Yeah. Uh, so Dongmin and Hyunmin seem a little cool to each other, and actually Hyunmin and Jinho wind up working together. Now, the, ultimately, this is because Jinho gets 34 and Hyunmin has 30, so they've got all the big numbers. And here's two people who can make an agreement on who gets which numbers, and they can actually keep it, which is pretty impressive on the genius. Um, although you know, without the without the betrayal and without extreme ways, it, it loses a little something. But do you guys think that they would have worked together even if they hadn't had numbers close together, or do you think the numbers forced them together and they just happened to work well together? Uh, what did you think about that Jinho Hyunmin alliance today? Ian, how about you? Let's start with uh, start with our guest. I mean, it seemed to me like it was a marriage of convenience based on the numbers. I've never noticed... I mean, there's always been sort of like an understated alliance between, like, we call it the Friends of Sangman, but I feel like once they got those two high numbers, they were kind of linked in that sense. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I'm guessing that there were a lot of feelers put out across the board 
And it just made sense. Those two guys trust each other. They've been looking for opportunities to work together, and now uh, stars are aligned. So they might as well. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, to me, it makes sense. They they have somewhat similar playing styles. I mean, they're they're both quieter members of the team. Uh, they're both more cerebral and less emotional players, uh, which I guess is, may, might be why they tend to be on opposing sides. That like each side needs someone like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, they made it work for them. I think if you have the same alliance between like like Kyung Hoon and Jun Seok, like they're betraying each other left and right. But the temperaments are just right that they can squeeze a lot of a lot of chips out of the other players and like stick to it. Um, and uh, Hyunmin had a had an interesting idea later on that we'll get to uh, that ultimately was thwarted when we get to the the negative 32 cube. But once we get through the first uh, the first eight rounds, we get to our first break. So far, Dongmin and Kyunghoon are both without a number. They've both uh, been passing with with chips, uh, and so we have Jinho who's got the negative 34, Hyunmin with the 30 and the eight. Jun Seok has three numbers. He's got 13, three, and 14. And Kyunran has the seven and the 24. Actually, I guess this is uh, one really interesting aspect when you compare no thanks strategy to minus auction strategy is that oftentimes in no thanks, uh, when it really comes down to it, I'm trying to price gouge someone for some undesirable card. One thing you really need to do is just pay attention to how many chips th- uh, that they even have left because if you run out of chips in no thanks, yep. you're done. You have to take that card. Yep. Whereas in the genius, I mean... If you don't have chips, well, you can always fall back on garnets, and the odds of somebody spending all their chips and all their garnets at this stage in the game are pretty much slim. Well, you can also give someone a garnet if you need to, and no thanks, you can't. It's just the right. chips, and that's it. Um, but yeah, like the the failsafe on the genius is, oh, I didn't realize you had nothing. Here, have a garnet. Or in Kyung Hoon's case, oh, I didn't realize you only have 20 garnets left. Have three garnets. <laughs> So, yeah, and uh, this is one of the more interesting negotiation games that we see in the Genius because different people have different amounts of leverage at different times, and only some people seem to want to trade off of that. Dongman does a great job of trading off of it. I'd say he's one of the most effective negotiators throughout uh, the entirety of this game and throughout the entirety of the series. But there were other folks along the way who tend to uh, be a little bit more deferential than they could have been, and it will play out in them losing more chips and not gaining garnets. Yeah. Um, it's also, uh, getting back to No Thanks real quick, like in No Thanks it's generally pretty easy to look at how many chips are in the pot and like, you know, as the number of chips starts approaching the number that's up for bid, uh, then you, you know it's about to get taken. But in uh, on, in minus auction, uh, numbers tend to go way before the number of chips starts approaching and the, the impact that number would have on your score. So, um, all right, into, uh, into rounds 9 through 16, and uh, this is where the game starts getting interesting. Uh, first, uh, Ran mentions in round nine that she's nervous about having a two-number gap, which turns out to be prescient later on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, and there, there were a few moments like this throughout the, uh, the episode. Um, and then round 11 is the first time Kyunghoon manages to get a garnet for passing on a number. He gets one from Dongmin for passing on negative 19, which Dongmin can put next to his negative 21 um, and then hope for the negative 20, which also plays a big role in the episode. Um, any any problems with what Kyunghoon's doing so far? I mean, I was I was shocked he was able to make this play with so many garnets, and he was able to play poor um, with so many garnets in front of him. I mean, that's the thing is, though, if, if you're not willing to put a garnet out, you can really always just play a stick em up. Like, if that person really needs you to pass on that and not take it for themselves, I mean, name your price, right? I guess, but, like, you you taking that number, it hurts them, but it also hurts you to know... 
ostensible benefit to Kyunghoon. I mean, what what happens for him if he takes negative 19? Like, how does that... It doesn't help him. Like, he picks up a few chips, um, but he'll be competing for negative 20. If it's even in there, he'll be competing for that uh, with, with Dongman. Um, 18 he has to himself. But again, 18's not a number that's going to rack up a ton of chips because once it, you get a few chips out there, someone else will be tempted to take it because the number of chips hits the value of the of the number much faster with a lower number than with a big with a higher number. So, uh, you know, I, people really weren't willing to call Kyunghoon's bluff uh, very often, um, and I, I really don't think he was going to take many of these numbers. He he's using his reputation for being a, a complete wild man here to great effect. But I mean, do you think he would have taken negative nineteen or some of these other crazy high numbers that he was he was uh, torturing everyone about? Certainly not. Um, no, it, he's really aided by the fact that there's still one more Garnet match coming up. Folks who maybe previously would have been you know, willing to play fast and loose with Garnets are now being much more conservative, and it's just letting him, you know, like any short stack poker game, you know, bluff more effectively. So, uh, finally, in the 15th round, number negative 35 comes up, and boy, is this Jinho's lucky day because you know, this is the this is the number that can't help anybody but Jinho. All you can all it can do is hurt you if you take it. Um, uh, until the number of chips gets up to 35, it just hurts you to take it. Now, granted, it it uh, well, it can't even hurt Jinho that much because it won't stop him from connecting numbers. Like you'd be taking. You know, if, if it winds up that, like, everyone's putting five and six chips in there and the number of chips starts approaching 35, if you take it, all Jinho is out is the chips that he threw in, same as everyone else, and, and you're you're out because you've taken a number that you now can't connect to anything else for, for too few chips. So Jinho's really in the driver's seat, and to that end, he, he picked it up too soon. He only got 16... He only uh, gained a net of 16 chips uh, on the negative 35 when he could have sent it around a couple more times. And no one can take it. They can't take it without hurting themselves. Yeah, I mean, that is one where you really have to gouge. And again, when you play no thanks, that's why I'm always hesitant to pick up 35. I mean, very hesitant to pick up 35 early because it only connects on one end. Um, and obviously, to a much lesser extent, 3. I mean, at that point, you're going to get a net positive pretty quickly. But Well, 3 can only yeah. hurt you so much. You pass on yeah. 3 once, it'll never come yeah. back to you. Yeah. So thoughts on why he didn't have it go around again? Was this pure uh, the difference between Korean and American culture cropping up again, and he just wanted to you know, be respectful of his competitors? Or I think it must it, have been. I mean, there's no there's no reason to take it at this point. Even with uh, with Jinho's uh, four chips in there, there's 20 chips in there at this point. He sends it around again. There's going to be 26 chips. Then then he he you know then he's got to take it um, uh, again when you consider the net chip differential, that everyone's putting in six chips, um, so and you're you're picking up uh, all those chips in the negative 35. Like, once it gets around that number, then it's not going to get back to him again. But, yeah, he could have very safely sent it around another time. Yeah, the, no, the only thing I can think of is maybe he doesn't want everyone ganging up on him. He doesn't want to get out to too big of a lead and then have everyone else have an incentive to say, hey, okay, let's take Jinho down a notch and... You know, really stick it to him on, on future rounds or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's a great thought, and he even says like, "Why did I have to come up now?" And really, like, my first thought was, "What's the difference?" Like, you're gonna gouge everybody regardless. But yeah, I guess you'd rather um, you'd rather make your dash late in the game instead of early when people have a chance to catch back up to you. What do you think, Ian? I would agree with that. Right on. All right, so uh, 35 goes to Jinho. Negative uh, 28 goes to Hyunmin, who now needs negative 29 to connect some of his numbers. We go to the second break, and uh, not much happens at the second break. But we come back to round uh, 17. 
Negative 31 comes up. Hyunmin sends it around a few times. He makes uh, 12 chips on it, and he has to give Kyunghoon a couple garnets to keep passing on it. And again, Kyunghoon is totally bluffing. I don't think Hyunmin had to give him anything. There's no reason for Kyunghoon to, to take number 31 uh, when there are, what, looks like 15 chips in there. I mean, it's a net loss of, third, of uh, 16 for him where he's got he's going to be competing with, uh, with Jinho for 32 and 33 anyway, so there's just not a lot of upside to it. Um, it, it, uh, do you guys think he, he could have held out for uh, Hyunmin could have held out for more or that Hyunmin was bluffing? Mm, yeah, I, I do think he was bluffing I do think there was some I, I understand why he made that choice though because at this point in the game you know, the audience at home knows a little bit more about how much Hyunmin has been bluffing versus how much he's just been you know, really erratic so in that moment I I don't blame him for the choice, but I do think, you know, full information, he probably could let it go around. Ian, what do you think? I mean, I think it was a definite bluff, and I think it was a good move. Well, it was definitely a great move. It doesn't hurt him anything to, to make that bluff. Right. It's free play. Yeah, free play, but, but Hyunman doesn't have to pay him off. But he does. He gets the number, and now it's time for the big auction, the giant auction. People are going to part with all sorts of garnets trying to get this secret number. And it goes for one garnet to Kyunghoon. <laughs> yeah, that was a surprise. I, usually, again, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that people are just afraid of a garnet match. Uh, yep. Maybe it has something to do with some general collusion where, you know, just like survivor auctions, people got together ahead of time or during the breaks and said, you know what, let's conserve the garnets. We're all better off if we do that. But they would have uh, shown us that if that happened. I mean, they, they've not been shy of showing us the players trying to get around... Uh, production before. So if they actually ganged up and like figured out who was going to take it, first of all, you'd think that in that case, Kyunghoon would have had to show everybody what the number was. Yeah, but, no, that that's all true. I'm, I'm only thinking maybe just as a general principle, they decided to try to part with as few garnets over the course of this entire game as possible, not just during the auction. But even still, you'd think it was worth more than one garnet to someone. You know, like Kyungran, for instance, like, yeah, is going to want to know. I have that in my notes. So yeah, Kyunghoon bets one and and takes it. As scared as she was of those of those two gappers, shouldn't Kyungran have bid? Yeah. Ian, why didn't Kyungran bid? I'm sorry, why didn't Kyungran did? Um, bid, bid. Why didn't she bid? Bid. Oh, okay. No, I mean that that was one thing that stuck out to me as well because she had talked you know increasingly about being really paranoid about it, and then it actually, I mean yeah, we're gonna spoil it eventually. So it really came back to bite her. Right, because that was one of her necessary numbers at the end, which, I mean, the editing was brilliant in this episode, I'll give it that. But, absolutely, I thought that it going for one garnet was shocking to me. Um, I mean, even the right to go first in middle race uh, and pick a character went for, like, what, three? Greatest game of all time. Mm, it's all right. <laughs> we, we can't let that, that stand. No, it's just no. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I, I'm never rewatching that made match ever again. That was that was brutal. Um, it's it's like the most damning with faint praise you can do to say that the second middle race was better. <laughs> Even the dealer forgot what she was doing. That's how complicated that was, the middle race was. Not not well thought out. Um, yeah. So good I mean, just game. not not good TV is what I would say there. Yes, sure, but we're watching the TV show. Yeah, the game, the game is somewhat interesting, but the TV was just abysmal. That was, that was, uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of a worse main match to watch. I can think of worse death matches, but not a worse main match. So, um, so Kyung Hoon gets the gets the secret number. He goes in the dealer room. He looks at it, and he comes out and says, "Ah, it's negative twenty. Dongmin, come talk to me." 
We later find out the other players were immediately suspicious of this, as well they should have been. How, how was this play? What, what, what do you think, Ian? I mean, given that we eventually saw that they knew exactly what was going on, I thought that it was pretty abysmal. I mean, even the way that they played it off, uh, with him trying to get all ten garnets and then not really not really doing a whole lot to try to, like, angle back and barter with him for, you know, just some other fee other than all of them, uh, to me was a dead giveaway as well. We, we did get the best line, of, or one of the best lines of the episode, when Dongmin tells Kyung-hoon, if you give me two garnets, I'll let you put it back in there. <laughs> uh, Smooth. Dong-min. It's good negotiating. Yeah, I mean, you'd think that, like, the better way to do it would be to say, like, it's a, it's a big number, like, uh, you know, Dongman come talk to me, but like not say what it is, sort of like imply it and let the other players infer that it might be the negative 20. Um, but, you know, I I can't fault him too much for it because it does, you know, if it's not the negative 20, everyone presumes it's a big cube, and so Hyunman's got to be real worried that it's the negative 29. You know, there's there's just, uh, it does put everyone on edge. So to that extent, it, 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 it certainly puts... Kyung-hoon in a better position than if he just said, hey, it's the negative 26. Um, I do think he probably could have gotten a lot of King Rand's garnets if he wanted to, to sell it for that. She would have freaked out. <laughs> that would have been fun. Hey, King Rand, it's yeah, negative so 26. I, what? <laughs> no, so I generally agree with that, which made it kind of interesting to me that he chose Dongman as the person you know, to make this play towards. Because Dongman never really goes for these things. Like he tend, He is pretty crafty, but if you come at him with a an all-or-nothing or sort of threatening-seeming suggestion, he's not going to go along with it. He's pretty comfortable going to the death match in that type of circumstance. So Yeah, but it I wasn't really a threat. Somebody, I mean, yeah, but he, he took Dongman to the room and he said, hey, it's, it's negative 26, so don't worry because King Rand's going to lose. And actually, it didn't quite... I mean, it almost didn't work out that way. It, it wound up being a, a one-point difference in the, in the final score. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Yeah, that's guess, right. You're definitely the, right here. I... Yeah, it, it was just interesting to me, though. Like, why why go to Dongman with this in the first place? Why is Dongman your person that you're going to let in on this secret? Maybe maybe you think he's the best bluffer and he's the person who's going to be best able to to sell this this deception to everyone else. I, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't know. No. He, he seems to have stuck with this pairing for the last few weeks where he's very comfortable sharing information with Dongman. But you've got to think at some point here, you know, you've got to keep pushing Dongman into death matches. I, I would not want Dongman around at the end of the game. When it well, comes to being given prior, being given advantages, he still he's made too many friends. I would not be doing anything if I could avoid it to make him better off in any of these games. Well, I, I wonder also if part of it is that they were on season three together. And Ian, you can speak to this more. Um, if you if you wound up back in the Big Brother house with other people from your season, um, would you feel that you'd you'd be better able to trust those people? Uh, I mean, it's a little different. Well, it's slightly different for you because you know you were the winner, and maybe they're gunning for you. Um, but do you feel if if you were back in there with people who you had played with before, that would be an easier person to trust or to work with, or to if you have to pick suddenly like who's the one person you're going to share information with? Is that the direction you would go, absent all other information? I mean, I will say that I obviously vastly different game, and from what I have heard from people that have played twice before, it's usually the people from your own season that you need to watch out for. Um, that being said, I'm definitely I'm really open to working with anyone, so I wouldn't say that I'd necessarily gravitate towards anyone from my own season. But I mean, oh man, eh, fine choice. Right. A good good diplomatic answer before Big Brother All Stars too, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I'm, yeah. I'm still. St- I'm telling everybody though. Watch out for the secret Ian Danielle Murphy alliance when we get to BB <laughs> All Stars two. It's unbeatable. I will say uh, I, I I recently had um uh, uh I was at an event where I, there were quite a lot of potential All Stars there, and I'll say um sitting at a table and and negotiating any sort of uh, strategy with Zach Rance must be what like talking to Kyung Hoon is like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Did you, can, uh, can Zach Rance lift his shoulders that high? <laughs> did you take Did you take his phone and throw it across a room? Uh, that I I heard about that. Um, that yeah, that's a very know. inside reference right there. I'll, I'll save it for people to look yeah. up. Yep. Hey, uh, completely off topic, but just out of curiosity, yeah. for events like that, Ian, when when they want to get you guys all out to Orlando for something, mm-hmm. um, do, are you do they they pay for your travel in your hotel? Do they actually? I'm guessing, do they pay for you to be there? What's the what sort of deal do those sorts of events usually have? Um, yeah, so there it's sort of two sided, right? So on one end, they want us to raise money for whatever the charity is, right? So they yeah. want us to raise funds. Um, and they'll buy your flight, that's fine. But on the other hand, like, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll say to the director, it's like, hey, if I pay for my own flight, you know, will, will this mean that I would not have to raise the money that's equal to the amount of my flight? Like, consider me buying the flight, like my donation, such that you don't have to spend it, right? And um, that yeah, usually makes sense. It's your in-kind donation to the event. Right. So that's what I do is I just pay for my flight and... Um, they put you up in the hotel. You room uh, with other people from reality shows. And you don't have much say in it. Um, that sounds like a treat. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, was, <laughs> it worked out really well. Um, I knew I was rooming with uh, with Judd, which I, I was well aware of, but I got in pretty late at night, and I um, I walked into uh, the room, and I was thinking about going for the bed and not the, uh, the sleeper sofa, and I looked at the bed, and I just saw someone with, like, a really scraggly beard. But it was dark, so I was like, is this Max Dawson? Like, I don't want to wake him up. And then the next morning, I, I realized it was Donnie Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you could have you could have been Big Spoon for Donnie Thompson. That's uh, that's an exciting opportunity to pass up. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> or well, just, just well, in a room with, like, Jerry from Big Brother 10. <laughs> He's still the bed. He calls you Judas. It just it becomes a disaster. Well, go solicit money for us, then you can share a room with uh, with Donnie Thompson. Uh, it does not sound super appealing to me, but uh, you know it's it, it's a good cause. Uh, I mean, great cause, and let's let's be pretty honest. I mean, there's a lot of room trading at these sorts of events. Sure, sure. Mean. How many how many garnets does it take to to trade rooms? <laughs> I mean, depends how you look. <laughs> depends on who you want to room with. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, um, have we begun talking about minus auction yet? We have. Okay. Good. Uh, so, yeah. So the deal falls through, or the the deal, uh, the fake deal falls through. Number twenty six is sent into the furnace and ignited, <laughs> and uh, we are on to round eighteen. Uh, Junsak takes that. He picks up a few chips, and uh, next up we have another big one, negative thirty three, which per agreement uh, between Jinho and Hyunmin is going to be Jinho's number to take. And uh, sure enough, he does. It goes around, uh, it, goes, it gets passed three times by a couple of people, and Jinho takes a net of ten chips, uh, plus he, he deducts a point from his absolute score, because the 33 lowers the 34, and so he has a net gain of 11 on this round. It's a good round, gaining 11 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and this is also one of the points where folks are onto the Jinho Hyunmin alliance. And folks, I think, at this point are starting to realize the two of them are working together. Right. I mean, 
even if they weren't, like, Hyunmin's still got to be careful at this point because if he takes negative 33, he's got 31 already. Uh, he's got 30 and 28. So he's already got that gap at 29. So at this point, you're starting to begin to run out of numbers, and you just you want to be a little careful about having two gaps that are so high up because mm-hmm. now you've got two potential disasters. So I, I don't think in any case Hyunmin at this point can go out on a limb to take number 33. Uh, I mean, maybe if there's enough chips in there, like he can take it before the other players do. But for sure he could take it before the other players do because he can take that risk better than they could. But it's still not a great spot for him. And uh, I, I think that this is probably Jinho's in, in any universe where they're playing this game. Agreed? And I would agree with that wholeheartedly, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just too much risk at this point in the game. He's, he, Hyunman's got his chance. Like, he's he's planted his flag and, like, I need negative 29. It's, it's just a lot to take on another one of those, especially since, um, you know, maybe that number 20 is gone and Dongmin's in trouble, and, like, why put yourself potentially in a worse position than someone who's already in a pretty bad spot? So um, on we move. Uh, a couple rounds later, the negative 32 comes up, and this is one of our most interesting points in the entire episode, because this number is supposed to go to Jinho after going around a couple times. Again, per the agreement, but Hyunmin also has a claim to this number. It connects for both of them, mm-hmm. uh, and so off all the players go to talk and figure out what they would like to do. So, Mike, uh, what what happens here? Well, this is our double agent attempt, isn't it? Yeah, this is this is as uh, duplicitous as it gets. This is Hyunmin. Yeah, I, I appreciated uh, that. I, yeah, Hyun, one of Hyunmin's, so obviously Hyunmin is well known for his sort of strategic mind and the fact that he's great at thinking through mathematical so games. Yeah. yeah, but he's also great at getting information from people. He's been sneakily effective in sort of the Sangman role of buddying up to folks, you know, being able to share secrets with them, seeming trustworthy. Uh, that tends to go well for him. So it was interesting that Dongmin really sniffs out what's going on here immediately. So role, he's going to tell everyone else that he has a deal with Jinho, where Jinho will wait and let it go around three times so that Dongmin can steal it. Uh, in reality, he's working with Jin- Jinho. He's telling Jinho uh, the information he's feeding to the other folks that Jinho knows when to grab it early. But when Hyunmin tries to make this play and explain what he's thinking to Dongmin and, and the group, the uh, whatever they call those, like the Garnet Conservation Society Garden is not falling now. for it. Yeah, it's the um, wait, I have it written it, down. It's called the Garnet Spending Mitigation Council, which was awesome. That was one of that is good. Lines. Yeah, that's that's up there. It's his second best line after only I'll have to get him drunk tonight today. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best line. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So. so they they're not falling for it. Uh, Dongman's gonna make sure he gets. In the way, but I, I appreciated the attempt. I thought it was a great uh, double agent strategy in this case. Yeah, this winds up. I mean, Dongman doesn't have to take it at this point. I don't think, right? Because uh, it's going to come around a couple more times. Like Dongman should say, like, he gets some garnets for his trouble. But if I'm Dongman, I'm saying, look, I will take it, but I need some chips also because I can't do this to my score. Like garnets are nice, but garnets don't count towards your total score in this game. So if he can pick up the extra, the net of five more chips, first of all, we see he ultimately avoids losing the game by only one chip anyway. 
so it was very close. Five chips would have made a huge difference. Mm-hmm. It would have been uh, he would have picked up five, and of course Kimran would have had one fewer. So it would have been uh, it would have been what a seven uh, a seven point difference in the end of the game as as it plays out. Um, but we we know uh, that it's going to be going around a few times, and even if it doesn't, like even if that's the plan that Dongman's going to take it one more time around. If Hyunmin or Jinho takes it before him, that's not that bad an outcome for anybody either. I mean, it's certainly a much better outcome for Dongmen uh, to, to give these guys a chance to take it, so he's not taking all these points. It's also fewer garners for everyone else to pay out, and uh, or one more for each person to pay out, as opposed to Dongmen taking it immediately, but it's a much smaller bounty for Jinho or Hyunmin to take. So I think, like, it's... Dongmen's heart is in the right place, but there's really no downside to just giving it one more time around before you take it. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, unfortunately, unfortunately, you've got like the two guys who can figure this out are the two guys who you're trying to screw over on this move. So they're not there to tell you like, well, why don't you let it go around one more time first, Dongmin? Uh, yeah, that would be that'd be Jinho or Hyunmin's providence, but uh, they're not. <laughs> they do not want Dongmin to do this, so they are not going to help him with this plan. So. Um, Dongman takes it, and now he is in trouble. He needs that negative 20 more than ever. And even though he knows that it's the negative 26 that's out of play, there's still one more secret number gone, so that still could be the negative 20, which, for the record, would have been absolutely great for Kyung-hun because now he's got plausible oh, yeah. deniability. Uh, it doesn't play out that way, but he is lucky that like after he comes back and says it's negative 20, that the next number to come up wasn't the 20. So um, moving along, some more numbers get taken by some other people. This is all very interesting. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about before we get to the third break? I guess uh, I guess the thing that does make the auction really interesting is the fact that there is some other number that is, you know, just removed entirely. So it does kind of give you that space to play with some sort of lie, like, oh no, it was it was the other one that I saw, which I actually really like that that kind of wrinkle was thrown in there. Yeah, but but uh, you know as. Maybe maybe this is just me thinking like a magician, but like when when Kyung Hoon waits until we know the identity of the number to say, oh yeah, the one I saw was negative ten. Like if it really was negative ten, he should have said it before then. There was no reason not to if it's really a number of no consequence. Like why not say negative ten? Of course we know the reason is because he didn't know what that other number was going to be for him to claim. Um, but like immediately when he said that on the broadcast, it's like, well, so that was the one that he saw was the negative twenty six. Like he was waiting yeah. to find out what the negative ten was to claim it. You know, you can't wait until you know and that number's was, identity. Anyone could say, oh, yeah, it was the negative 10. Like, at that point, he has the same information as everybody else, so he needs to make that statement ahead of time. Yeah, and if, if he was really thinking like a magician, he would have written it on an index card, sealed it in an envelope, <laughs> and held it until the game was over to show everybody. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's just, just how uh, you do it. Yeah, I, 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 could, uh, I could pull that off. I don't know if I could pull it off with uh, the meager instruments that you get on the Genius. I don't think they'd even let me bring a marked deck into the game. They would give me their own mark deck, but uh, that's another story. So, um, yeah, uh, it is very interesting. And, and again, going back to, to no thanks again, like, it also, because you're only playing the minus auction one time, like, the there is a lot of luck in terms of what the missing number is or the two missing numbers are. Uh, but when you're playing no thanks, like, you can play a lot of rounds really quickly. There's more luck to that game because there are nine numbers gone. And, uh, but, you know, if, if they're one of your numbers, okay, so we'll play another round of it. But, um, here it's it's big stakes. You play it one you get one shot at it. Um, you want to reduce variance. Mike, how do you, what is what is variance again? I can't remember. <laughs> I feel free to see our last episode for a great detailed 
explanation. That the, yes, the it starts around minute 15 and it goes to about one hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> it, was a lot, it was a lot of fun. There's, um, there's a, a classic rendition of Girl from Ipanema in there, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we finally have the rights to that, so, so that's great. Um, all right, so... Um, in round 25, I have a question for you. In round 25, it's it's number negative uh, negative four uh, that comes up. Uh, why why is Jun Sayak mad that Kyung Hoon wants to take negative four with two chips in the in the pot? I, I didn't understand that. Like, why did that upset Jun Sayak? He seemed like hurt that Kyung Hoon wouldn't take the two garnet bribe to pass on negative four. Yeah, I I wasn't sure either. I was wondering if there was maybe like some fancy editing going on there, and he had you know maybe a round or two earlier explained to Kyung-hoon the idea for a joint win, and that that was making it only more difficult, or something along no, those lines. No, but you need an cause... awful specific set of numbers to make that happen. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think Junsei can propose that until he knows the last number is negative 12. You know, like, he, he has to know, like, not only what the number is, but also where the where the numbers are starting on the last round. He has to know what, like, what Hyunmin has at that point, because it was very important that Hyunmin give up another chip to pass on that, that negative 12 again. Like, there's there's a lot of stuff going on there um, I, I don't. I mean, maybe he can like say, "Well, hey, things line up perfectly. We can maybe have a joint win." But it, this far out, you you can't you can't see that joint win coming. How many numbers were left in at that point? At this point, there are um, there are ten. No, there are uh, nine numbers that we haven't seen yet, uh, and seven of them are coming up. Uh, so this is the first of those nine. So there, so there are eight more numbers that we haven't seen when the negative four comes up, and uh, six of them will come into play, and two of them will not. Yeah, it's quite a ways away. So, I, I, I just don't... Th- I mean, you'd have to know it's going to be exactly... Because the negative 10 affects it, too, right? Because uh, Junsak has the negative 11, so if negative 10 is in play, then that's another one that Junsak can take. So it's... It, and he needs the 12 to, to close his gap, and there's there's still a lot of factors going on there. I, I just... I don't think that uh, the joint win is something that can be proposed uh, in any serious way until that last number comes up. So... That's 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 my take on it. Uh, next up is uh, the negative 15, which goes around a little bit. Junsak takes that. Next up is the negative 22. Uh, Junsak winds up with that one. Uh, next up, uh, next up is the negative 20 at long last, and negative 20 uh, negative 20 gets to uh, next it gets to Dongman, who uh, is happy to to add that one to his his stable, uh, the one that we thought. Might have been gone, but in fact it's not. And there is some shock, but not a lot of shock, because, again, the players didn't necessarily trust Kyung-hoon when he said negative 20 was the one that had been taken out of play. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I was still hoping, that, yeah, still hoping this was season one or season two, and that could have been a an extreme ways moment. If it was anyone other than Kyung-hoon that had been doing the lying, I feel like that we would have gotten a nice reveal right there. Right, right. Um yeah, but we could have had one here because Kyungran has the chance to take the negative 20. Uh, it's explained to her that if she takes it, she's, it looks like she's going to have a lead on Dongmin that, that'll last uh, to, the end of the, uh, to the end of the game. But she doesn't want to because she thinks maybe Dongmin would pick her for the death match. Now, this, knowing the outcome, but even not knowing the outcome, is just a crazy thing to say. Like, as I've been saying all season, you don't want to go to the death match. Don't go to the death match. Don't lose for somebody else. It's better it's better to, to betray someone and not be the loser of the game and have a high chance of getting picked for the death match than to be certain of going to the death match by losing the game. I was very mm. cross 
uh, with with Kyung Hoon for doing that uh, this week. Uh, last week for for he did, he was in the same position. He could have won the game, and he chose instead to lose the game. I mean, this is this is twice in a row that uh, that he's done that. But like, avoid the death match. If you're not in the death match, you're coming back next week. You're eating hors d'oeuvres with Jinho next week, unless Jinho's eliminated, and then there's going to be even more hors d'oeuvres for you. Well, I'm, I hadn't listened to last week, but I will ask this. What do you think about the power that's in being able to choose your opponent? I think there's something to it, but it's a, it, you know, the, a lot of these games, like, it really, it, it doesn't it's matter. Last week, yeah. Right, well, last week, last week, like, you, unless you're going to be up against Qumran, um, you know, you're, uh, you're going to have a tough spot in that in that game with uh, with same picture hunt. Uh, you know, it's the players who who can memorize everything, who can follow it. Um, it's it's just a coin flip, like who's going to be the first person to uncover all their symbols. But if you get a game like Quattro, right? Like who couldn't you beat at Quattro? Quattro is a, a coin flip. The double sided poker, like all those poker games. There's there's just so much variance in those. Um, we got a game today in Gil Hap, which we'll talk about very briefly because there's not much to say about it. Uh, the way it played out, you have a game that's that's going to go usually to the better player. Um, so, uh, yeah. but I, I just I, I don't know. I I think there's some value to picking your opponent, but I think there's more value to maybe not being in the death match. Yeah, I, I would say this week and last week were the two weeks that probably had the highest value to being able to pick your own opponent. Uh, still, I'd rather avoid the death match, but for the last two weeks, you've had a really high concentration of folks who are very likely to have practiced all or most of the games, but a small number of, of people who seem like they're still kind of winging it, with Kyung Ran being one of them. Uh, Jung Moon, as smart as she is, uh, being another. So if it were coming down to it and you had the opportunity to select one of those two as opposed to uh, you know not having the opportunity to select and getting chosen, I, I can understand it, but I still think that all in all, Scott, I'm with you. I'd rather just avoid the death match and, and live to fight another day. Yeah, I was I was talking about this on Facebook with with Sharina Skui about she was at, she was saying that she thinks Kyung Hoon is like the most fearsome person to take to the death match, and he's certainly a top competitor. But at this point, they're all really good at death matches, um, and and I, I you know I to me I think I think Dongmin is still generally the least likely person to get picked by an opponent who's trying to win the game. Like, I think, despite, like, how good someone might be at, or have how much they might have studied a game like 12 Jengi, I still think that, for the most part, Dongmin is the guy who these this group of players is most afraid to take to a deathmatch, um, regardless of also, past performance. Well, also, if you look at the games that are just left in the bag at this point, you've got Quattro, Double-Sided Poker, and 12 Jengi. And I would say that probably only one of those games actually relates to any sort of skill. Yeah, there might be like a double-sided poker has a little bit, but yeah, slight skill to double-sided poker. I mean, Quattro, there might be some social skill, but not not in the way that these games actually play out. Like the way things actually work on the like in a, in in the American version of the show, Quattro is a better game because people are going to betray each other more. They're gonna lie. They're gonna oh I didn't oh I I I don't have a good blue card for you. So here's a here's a lousy one or here's a yellow one or whatever. Um, but I feel like like. It's probably a cultural difference that in the South Korean version of the Genius, which is all we've got right now, that players um, are trying to be polite and trying to help everybody at least a little bit, and it winds up being uh, a pretty even shot. But I still think, despite all that, there is some social edge. Like there probably is some benefit to being Dongman and Quattro. Um, you know, it may not be enough to overcome the extreme amount of luck that's at play of that game, but uh, I'd, I'd rather be Dongman than Jun Seok playing Quattro. 
Well, that's true. It's funny to the me that, thing... like, since the beginning of the season, everyone's been saying, ugh, I can't believe Quattro's in there. It's going to you know, end up being a pivotal death match towards the end of the game. And, and sure enough, it, we're down to three death matches, and it hasn't been chosen yet. Someone who has been playing a strong game, like one of the finalists, or you know, one of the final four or final five, is going to get eliminated on Quattro. And it's unlikely to end up being some advanced, fantastic version of Quattro that makes us all, you know, second-guess it. So, you know, I think a lot of people's fears are going to be realized. We're going to see, you know, maybe a fluky elimination on Quattro when it comes down to it. Yeah, what were you saying, Ian? Well, I was going to say, we don't exactly know how it's going to work this time, right? There, right? We don't know if there's virtual players or what, which, I mean, I hope to God that's not the case, but, I mean, it very well could be. On top of that... Um, I find it odd. I think Quattro being still in there, it's not the most vetoed uh, game. In fact, I don't even think it's close. In fact, uh, if I'm remembering right, a lot of players left it in in spots that I was surprised they would leave it in. I don't think any game got vetoed more than Monorail, if I'm remembering correctly. Well, Monorail um, is is the game that like is most likely saw. I guess maybe 12 Jangy too, but uh, you're, you're talking about games where like you don't want to go up against someone yeah. who solved the game, or you don't want to go up against someone who's being helped by someone who solved the game. So like that does make sense to me. Like especially if you're a, a weaker player, uh, that you would want a game like Quattro to remain in the hopper. You know, the strong players yeah. might want to get it out, but you also might have a higher priority game. Like if you're a strong player. Um, Quattro is, is like a 50-50 shot, but if you don't trust your memory, you're a little tired that day, maybe you'd rather get a game like Same Picture Hunt out of there. You know, like, the, mm-hmm. there might be... It makes sense to me that, that for most players, like, while Quattro is a game they don't want to play, that they might have a bigger weakness relative to their opponent that they'd rather get rid of, and that, that I think, is why Quattro has been in the hopper so much of the time. Especially now, as we get to the point where players can only exclude one game, and I'm wondering about that. Are they going to be able to exclude a game next time? Like, are, are the two deathmatch players each going to exclude a game thereby choosing what the deathmatch is, or will will we be, will be will we be done excluding games uh, at this point? Yeah. So if we did that, then basically the second chooser would just be choosing what deathmatch game they want to play, sort of survivor style in the final three. So I, I kind of doubt it. I think that it'll just be a random draw from the three. Yeah, but I, think it has. I, I had read somewhere. I had read somewhere uh, as to how long the videos go, and I believe that it's just they're picking one. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, the 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 death matches have long been um, the the relative to the main matches have been much weaker. Um, you know, it's hard to say it's the weak part of the show because that's when someone gets eliminated, and that's always exciting and intense to see who's going to go. Except for a game like Gil Hap between Dongmen and Kunran, um, or <laughs> or doubting or uh, or tactical Yutnori uh, between Dongmen and and Jinho and their uh, you know Yunsung and Yuan where they're watching. Uh, but you know, yeah, like the death matches, especially in like season one, have have been pretty brutal. Oh yeah, those were. Pretty much complete trash, except for Indian Poker and Same Picture Hunt. There aren't a lot of games that would be good deathmatch games, no matter what happens. I going back to Black and White, like that's one that that I think would be a really fun game, uh, no matter how far you go, because for any strategy, there's a counter strategy to it, right? There's no, I don't correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe you can solve Black and White one, can you? No, uh, I mean it's a pure leveling contest. I mean, I'm so, sure there's optimal play, but I mean, yeah. then it's just countered by other optimal play. So, right. But, yeah, there's no way to solve it. Absolutely. So, not. so I think you need a game like that where there's there's a lot of thinking and a lot of um, a lot of leveling, 
Um, that that makes for a, a much better deathmatch game than a game that's all luck. Or because I mean, there's there's no luck in in black and white except for the coin flip. Like once you get past the coin flip, you're you're done with luck. Like it's just the players against each other. Um, there's no one sure path to the win like you have in Monorail. Um, it's that that's a that's a great game. We've we've seen so few deathmatch games that have that feature where it's it's just about like these two players against each other and there's really not much else going on. There's not even a social element to it. You look at a game like uh, um, was it the betting rock paper scissors whatever the one is from uh, from season three or the one that that uh, Hyung Hoon beat. Sangmin at, where even though it's a leveling game, uh, there's still such a strong social aspect to it because you need to figure out what the other players have selected. Well, the other thing I will say, as much as we talk about uh, both monorail possibly being solved, I mean, no one has sat down, solved it, and been given any sort of formal proof yet. And then 12 Jongi, which is formally proved. Um, well, first off, 12 Jongi, though it's solved, like the solution is like 70-some plies deep, and I mean, to memorize the play for every single situation would just be completely impossible. So, I mean, that's not even... I mean, yeah, checkers is solved, but, I mean, no one's sitting around memorizing that. Um, Monorail, on the other hand, obviously I think that there comes a certain point in there where it's probably, I would say, probably about three plies the average person, at least at this level of competition, is going to be able to figure it out. But we've only seen it playing twice, and both times it's been completely fucked up beyond belief. Yes, so, I mean, yes. That's the thing, is I think that, although when we're sitting at home looking and applying Nimbers like that one gentleman that wrote that really great blog post uh, to Monorail, and it seems very intuitive and very obvious to us, I mean, humans are going to make mistakes quite a lot, and I think that's really... I think Monorail is going to be lost more often in a situation where someone just makes a mistake rather than, oh, you got the wrong end of the coin flip, sorry. Yeah. All right, so let's let's finish our main match here. Um, for uh, I mean, we're not going to have a lot to say about the death match, but uh, let's let's go ahead and finish the main match. The final number that comes up is, uh, or finally, ne- negative uh, 29 comes up second to last, and Hyunmin is relieved. He does not even try to pass it around. He just grabs it and takes the one chip that Dongmin has thrown in, and he is now not going to finish in last place. And finally, we get negative 12. Hyunmin passes, and Jun Seok takes Kyunghoon off for a little chat. And here is where things get... Weird. Mm-hmm. Chase Rice. Yeah. The, <laughs> I did not catch that. I I would say this I is you know, the despite the way the the episode plays out and who gets eliminated, I, I kind of feel like this is the biggest strategic error in the episode. I, I was not happy with this. And on despite watch the number one or watch number two, despite the explanations, he, there is no explanation. Like he, they, they try to. This is the sort of thing in the genius where it happens, and then later you like you rewind and you find out that there was some there was some guarantee that like Kunran was definitely going to pick Dongmin, and Kyunghoon didn't want to have to give Dongmin a token, or I guess a shared win he wouldn't have had to, but didn't want to have to like openly betray Dongmin, and so he but he did want Dongmin to go to the death match. Like you you'd get you'd get something like that, but they don't have that here. All they have is Kyunghoon being like, yeah. I thought it was better to lose than to win, basically, um, for the second week in a row. Like, I, I, I don't want to win. Like, I'd rather play for the team. Like, who is this guy? Like, what's yeah, happening? What, a, what an accurate explanation, because when I think about lo- loyalty to one's allies, <laughs> I definitely think about saying that. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 Ian, can you make sense of this? 
I'm sorry, could you repeat that question? Could, could you make sense of this? I mean, I mean, Kyung-hoon has a chance not only just to take the joint win with Jun Sayak, right? Mm-hmm. Um, t- by taking the, the 12 there, he is, right, right. he is losing to Jinho, right? But if he lets it go around again, if he takes it, he wins all by himself the, on the second pass. Yeah, I mean, this that stuck out as just the weirdest thing to me, and I, I had woke, uh, uh, woken up to a text message today by someone that watched it late night, and they were like, I'm still confused. I have no idea what's going on here. And to me, that's just, it, it makes very little sense. Yeah, it doesn't figure, unless, again, I mean, if, if he's sure, if he's certain that he's not going to the death match. Like, if Kumran has, has gone on record, if she goes to the death match, she's picking Dongman for sure. Like, he's... You know, she wants to go out to someone honorable, and, and this is known. Um, okay, maybe. Even then, I still think it's a bad idea not to just take the win. But, that like, he thinks it's worth more to be seen as erratic than to take the win because he knows he's not going to death match. Like, that kind of makes some sense to me. But when you think about the permutations of what can happen here, after he makes himself vulnerable to the death match, all Dongman has to do is turn to Kingran and say, you know... The number was negative 26, and Kyung-hoon told me, and he said he wanted you to lose the game. And she's at least got something to think about. Yeah, I'm surprised we didn't see that happen. I'm surprised, but I'm also, I guess, not surprised, because it is Dongmin who, like, values his honor over... The, or at least he said that a bunch, but he never actually wanted to go into the death match when he volunteers to. So, um, but, but he at least puts on a good show about that, that he'd rather be honorable and stick to his word and... and be at risk of getting eliminated. So, yeah. Um, just, just a bad move, a weird move, a bad move. Um, it didn't make sense on the first watch, the second watch, talking it through, it doesn't make any sense. Um, but that's what he does. So, Kyungran is your loser by one point. Jinho is your winner by one point. He would have liked to have given Kyungran the token, but... She, uh, she can't have it, so he gives it to Hyunmin because when in doubt, give the token of life to Hyunmin. That's what everyone always says. So The genius season four, subtitle, give the token to Hyunmin. <laughs> so Hyunmin is All safe, season. and Kyungran is choosing between Kyunghoon, Junsak, and Dongmin, and uh, she decides that so long as she's going to lose, and boy is she going to lose, um, <laughs> she might as well lose to Dongmin. I mean, is is she going to win any game here? I feel like, you know, she, she beats Yuyan getting extremely lucky at uh, Indian Poker, or Indian Hold'em Poker, Indian whatever the hell it needed yeah. poker game it was. But, like, Blind man's bluff if we're being politically correct, right? Right, like she's, she's, um, that's that's pure luck. Like that, uh, of the poker games, the blind man's bluff is is the one that, that has the highest variance and where, you know, you, you get a hand where both players have, uh, are dealt uh, an ace and you're going to get all the all the chips in the middle, and now you're you're flipping a coin for who gets to stay in the game. I feel like double-sided poker. There there is more strategy to it. Um, you have more information. You know your own hand, and you know half of your opponent's hand. Uh, that I, is is maybe Quattro she can win. Is is there a game or an opponent that she can reasonably expect to have a chance at winning at this point? It depends how Quattro is played. To yeah. Me. Um, and then- this was another instance of something that we've been noting throughout the season, really coming back to to strike in an episode. Kyungran barely watched the show. I, at some point, she did watch season three, but it, it seems like she watched you know a Cliff Notes version of it just enough to get an, an idea of what was happening. She watched and it without the subtitles. Exactly. <laughs> I, she certainly wasn't practicing games. Where I'd imagine if you were to you know go around that room and talk to everyone else, they would have you know at least known some algorithm they were going to put into place to identify. 
you know, to identify haps, be able to figure out, you know, when it was time to call Guel, and, and she seemed to just be going in blind. She's played the game before, but she sort of just went on instincts yeah. last time around. It, it really came back to bite her. Yeah, I mean, she she's played before badly. She was worse this time. Um, what do you guys think about the rule change with, with calling Gyul? It used to be you'd call Gyul after the other player had called Hap, and now you can Gyul your own Hap. Do you guys like being able to Gyul your own Hap? I think it. I think it's more interesting, right? Because I think it. I think it really makes the game more about what it's supposed to be out rather than managing turns. Yeah, it it saves time of just dead air and people waiting for someone to move because you have to imagine you're playing with the all stars. A lot of people who'd be willing to wait all day for someone to crack. Uh, so it, it was almost a necessity given when you're playing with such strong players. Well, last last time we saw this in a death match, the rule was if it passed what five times, then the round was over and no one was going to get the gill on that round. But like it changed from a game where you're trying to make the other person be the like you want the other person to be the last to find the last hap. Now you just want the other person to find the second to last hap, right? So when there's when there's two haps left, that's when you're gonna you're you're gonna dummy up and and stop buzzing in, right? Yeah, yeah, I, it ends up being a similar circumstance. I guess you got you have to think that if you have spotted it, uh, it's now a little bit more, it's a little bit easier to hide that. Uh, it doesn't have to be quite as obvious, given that you can just let the time expire. It's a short clock, and you can play it more smoothly. Maybe you could have something where the players have a chance to like buzz in and announce how many haps are left, and then if you're right, you get credit for the goal right then. So like essentially, as soon as you can determine, uh, as soon as you've solved that round, you get to win the round, as opposed to um, having to actually get to that point and hope that like the turns go in the right order for you to be able to call out Gil. I think a buzzer system would be great to adapt here. Also, I, I feel like Gil Hap really is just great as a one-player game, so I really liked it. I think its best format was as a uh, uh, black uh, mission, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, that's very true. Or you could have the players... Um, playing separately, I guess, it, like you know, on the same board, one goes and the other goes, and we try to see who can get more points. I don't know if that's as compelling as television. Um, most death matches, the players are there at the same time. I mean, the the blackout death match from season two, uh, the players were not there at the same time. Oh, actually, one of the players wasn't even there at all. I don't think Dewey even showed up for that one. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see him next week. Though he'll show up, he'll show up soon. Um, yeah, I mean, Kungran is, is as soon as the game is Gilhap. We don't know this watching, but. Uh, you know, based on the preparation that Dongman has done and the preparation that Qumran hasn't done, it's over. I mean, he gets all ten guilds. Like that's not like, well, maybe, maybe sometimes, maybe she could win ten percent of the time or three percent of the time. Mm-hmm. She could win zero percent of the time against someone who gets all ten guilds. There's no chance. She's dead. She's dead as soon as they pull that ball out of the hopper. Yeah, she really went on tilt. I, I mean, it gets said a lot in these games, like, oh, she's having a mental breakdown. They love the phrase mental breakdown, or at least Bumdi does in the, in the translation. But in this case, it really showed. She was calling Google left and right, and it, it was just, oh, my God. And then, yeah. then she went to just a classic excuse of, oh, you know. I can barely see. My, my astigmatism, the old astigmatism acting up. Can't well, see colors because of the astigmatism. I mean, she's pretty much dead after, like, the first three rounds. Like, it's it's a lot to overcome. That's It's a big difference to overcome. Um, and also, it's clear that she's not the better player. Like, if you're not the better player, you're going to need some luck, but you've already had three rounds where the luck went the other way. It's it's over. I mean, it's over very fast, and there's not a lot of suspense to it. And I, I suspect this is why they saved the reveal of Kyung-hoon and the negative 26 for after the death match, so there was something we were waiting for. Although they didn't make it explicitly clear 
enough to me that they were still going to reveal that. Like they just, they were like, hey, what number did Kyung Hoon get? And we'll come back later and like not talk about it until there's a minute left in the game. Even though we, we kind of already know, just because they're asking the question, we kind of already know that it must have mm. been the negative 26. So, Chung Ran is eliminated. Um, she was last on the on the power rankings last week. She was second to last the week before with only Jung Moon below her. So, um, Mike, we got those right. Good work by us. Good job. I, so, I sounded different. I had different hair last week, but I nailed it on the rankings. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's true. I, your hair was, was finally good last week. That's right. Uh, right. So before we before we get into some more big picture stuff, let's let's go through. We have a final five here. Um, this is this is the toughest week for for ranking likelihood of winning the game. I think it's mm. is very even. I mean, I think the difference yeah. between like most likely and least likely to win, like maybe somebody's at at twenty five or thirty percent, and someone's down at the bottom at like fifteen percent. But the the equity is pretty evenly spread out amongst these five players. Would you agree, Ian? Yeah, I actually would definitely agree on that. I think that I think there's a lot of difficulty in me just picking someone to go at the bottom. I think that there is for me, at least I have someone who's definitely last, but even that is just, I mean, it's such a slim margin separating that in first. Alright, who's your last place person? I, I have Jun Sok at last. Really? Why is that? Well, it was really between him and Jinho, but I'm now starting to think that Jinho had kind of like this episode, he's finally starting to win things, and then if you look at it, Jinho... You know, although on the surface it seems like he's a Korean male version of Victoria um, this season anyway. I mean, he seems to be playing pretty well. He's definitely won his fair share of uh, main matches, though we don't talk about it, which seems really odd to me. Are you implying that Victoria was not a great player and would not be good at uh, tactical Utenori? Um Well, it depends. Is she partnered with Derek or... <laughs> I mean... Yeah, Derek would be really good at leveling. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. The secret is she she partnered with Derek, and afterwards she's giving confessionals talking about how she has mastered tactical Nori <laughs> and that her strategic brain has carried her to a victory. <laughs> yeah, and uh, then she uh, right before he's eliminated, she cuts up Sangman's pajamas. Um, yeah, okay, I I can go with Jensek being last for that reason, and also because he just he seems the most helpless uh, socially when he's asking mm-hmm. for favors. You know, Kyung Hoon isn't isn't doing him any favors. Like Dongmin's kind of working with him, but you know, not like giving him the all out help he usually gives the person he's working with. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think Jensek's in a in a great position, especially for Jensek. He's a strong player, and he's in last place of five, which tells you how great this final five is. So yeah, um, when it really comes down to it. Uh... John Sock's social game is just, I mean, incredibly weak in comparison to everybody else. All right, so yeah, we'll play. I definitely I'll... agree there. He he seems to be the least persuasive person, you know, maybe of the entire season, but but certainly of the final five. Is that why he's buying drinks? He's trying to make up for it. <laughs> he needs to do. He needs to do something to earn some favors. All right, so then Ian, it sounds like you would put Jinho at number four. Uh yeah, and that's. I mean, he hasn't done enough yet this season. I mean. Early on, I mean, it, it just seems like he's completely lost with this group, but he's still there, and he's won just as many main matches as everybody else that we talk about as being really good. So, I'm going to uh, I'm going to disagree, and I'm going to put uh, my 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 rooting interest this season in fourth place. Mm-hmm. I think Kyung Hoon is in fourth, and even though I think um, he's going to be stronger at the death matches than you know, uh, uh, I think I think Shireen might be right about that—that that he might be the best. Deathmatch player remaining in this group. 
Um, we saw two episodes in a row where he took he he last week he made himself the loser of the game when he didn't he could have he could have not been, and this week he could have been the winner of the game and opted not to. So I don't know what's motivating him to do these things, but that's really dangerous, and and that will that will counterbalance your your strength in some of these games very quickly. I mean, he has a lot of garnets. As we get closer to the last Garnet match, we're seeing that that if he gets there, he's going to have a leg up on that. So that's a very strong position. But what is he doing with these with these crazy moves at the end of main matches that serve him no purpose? So I got to put him in fourth place, even though I, w- I would say he's a he's he's going to be stronger at death matches. He's been better with with main match strategies than Jinho at least uh, at least so far this season. But when it comes to closing, he's he's just not doing it. So for me, for me, I'm in my rankings. I'm putting Kyung Hoon in fourth place. Is that crazy? Well, question to the group: the field is, what, no. what do you guys think? Given the three death matches that are left, like if you don't know which death match it is, and you found out that it was Kyung Hoon versus Dong Min in a death match, who would you pick to win? Kyung Hoon. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. No. I mean. I don't. I don't think he's like a lock to win, but I. I think he's definitely the favorite over Dongmin for the for the three games we've got there. He might be at a slight disadvantage at Quattro just socially. Um, I believe he's he's got to have the advantage at Twelve Jongi and I don't, a double sided poker. Call it a wash, um, but I think his advantage at Twelve Jongi is is bigger than Dongmin's advantage would be at Quattro. So I got to give it to Kyung Hoon in that situation. But I think Kyung Hoon's more likely to be in the death match next episode. Or the episode after, really any episode except maybe the the final Garnet match that's coming up. Uh, you know, yeah. again, like if you can't avoid the death match, then you could be going home, and and that should put you lower in these rankings. In? Well, I mean, I agree. Uh, a double-sided poker, essentially, just being a coin flip to an extent. I mean, I think that would probably be Dongmin's slight advantage. And I'd say that Dongmin has a slight advantage in Quattro as well. So twelve Jongi is really the only one that's that's of interest in, in dissecting in this sort of way. But, I mean, we, we've seen hints of the fact that Kyung Hoon is supposedly quite good at this game. Um, but we also, I mean, we say Dongmin, who claims to be a god at, at animal chess, right? But then we see him just kind of completely whiff out on the, uh, the final match in Season 3. So the question is, is Kyung Hoon as good as... It's been hinted. So I I would posit that he is, um, and I say that because his his strength at, at twelve Jongi has been mentioned in the same breath as his strength at Monorail. Right earlier in the season, it was like, well, don't play Kyung Hoon at either of these two games. And then when we see uh, Kyung Hoon coaching Junsak at Monorail, it turns out that he's got he's got a great handle on that game. Well, I mean, let's you know I don't I don't want to put a damper on anything here. I mean, I don't want to knock Kyung Hoon at all. But, I mean, for me, it's still kind of... it When it comes to Monroe, anyway, it rubs me the wrong way that we early on said, oh, Kyung-hoon has a solution to Monroe, when, in fact, he does not. I mean, that position that he gave Jensok was a losing position. It's been proven to be a losing position um, by uh, some folks that were discussing it on Reddit. I mean, sure, he's good at it, and he understands... He's well-studied in it, sure, and he's probably one of the better people at it, but I mean, that was a far cry from a solution or even a sure win. Well, you're saying you're saying that uh, the solution for 12 Jongi is, like, too deep for anyone to know. Yeah, there's, like, there's no way that anyone's... No, yeah. And it's really... It's, 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 
eight plies deep. I looked it it's up. It's just about the same thing for Montreal, where like you know, again, it's a losing position, but like almost the, uh, unless you have memorized this this you know Oxford English Dictionary length kind of strategy for the game, like yeah, like you you at some point are going to be in a position where you could lose the game, most likely. I, I just think that like practically as these games are played. Um, it, it seems to me that he studied them to the point that like he's going to have a leg up on any any reasonable like non-computer human opponent who's not a professional player at that game who only studies it. I, I suspect he would have a strong leg up on twelve Jongi for that reason. Uh, okay, I mean, he, he may or may not, but like it seems it seems to me that against this field, like for all the studying he's done, he may not be like absolutely perfect at this game. But are you telling me that you think that Dongmin has has studied it better, like has a better handle on it? I mean, we certainly... I mean, I'm not imagining that Dongman is, like, a complete dog at this. I mean, I think he's probably pretty decent and could probably hold his own against Kyunghoon if it came down to it. Yeah, I don't think he's yeah, bad, I, but I... I, I I'm think... figuring they both practice quite a bit here. I, you know, If I have to bet my life, I probably am going to go with Kyunghoon also, but I certainly expect that it's going to be competitive. I'm figuring that not only did Dongman play this a lot growing up, but he's been practicing a ton lately. Uh, See, so you've got to think it's going to be a pretty decent matchup. Mike, don't bet your life because if Kyung Hoon finds out that you've bet your life, he will lose on purpose. Not because he hates you, just because he is an agent of chaos in this <laughs> He'll say, I had to do what Sangman would do, and of course Sangman would kill a random American, so it was only fair. <laughs> well, think of it this way it's not that bad because the last thing you would ever hear would be extreme ways. <laughs> uh, one other thing I know, and you touched on this, but. A lot of the monorail strategy that Kyung Hoon discusses might just it, be the fact that Kyung Hoon speaks English and read that one guy's blog post about different approaches to the game well, of monorail. That's actually a hundred. I, I would not put it past him. No, it's actually a hundred percent verified um, that that's the case because if you look at the scene in which he's explaining to Junsok why the move that he gave Junsok was so good, he says to Junsok, he goes, "If you go first, it really can't be helped." But here's what you want to do. And he goes, this is generally a good play. And he shows the, the exact play the exact play that was on that guy's uh, blog post where it was one straight under the second station towel, another straight under that, and then a bend going to the uh, down and then to the right. Um, it's the exact play. And then he goes, but this one's bad because you can get blocked into a corner. This one gives you more options. I mean, so he... Did in fact like you could if you pause the video and look at it, it's the exact position that's suggested on that site. Yeah, that, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, so that might have been his solution. It was basically if I am playing someone who does not speak English, do this thing that I read in English. Game so, is solved. All right, so so I've got Kyung Hoon in the fourth spot, and you've got Jin Ho there, which I think is is reasonable. Um, who who's your number three, Ian? That would be Kyung Hoon. Yeah, and I got Jin Ho there. I mean, it's it's so weird to say because Dongmin and Hyunmin have never seemed more mortal, and all that that means is that like they're one and two by a smaller margin. Just so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so moving on, uh, we're we're back to the same question we've had like every single week. At yeah. this point, who you got, Dongmin or Hyunmin? Um, I actually do have Hyunmin. I think that his edge in the like, if, if, let's say they're in the final gauntlet together. I feel like Hyunmin this time has a better shot. Yeah, I mean, I, he had a better shot last time too. I think it just either either was the wrong selection of games. I mean, the betting rock paper scissors is is such a a Dongmin game where you just have to like get inside your opponent's soul. Um, so I don't know if we're gonna get another game like that. But like Hyunmin should have won same number hunt. 
Um, you know, that was that was sort of like his to win if he mm-hmm. had been prepared for something like that. I, I don't know. I mean, it, he he lost it, and by a big enough margin that maybe I'm completely wrong about that. But it it felt like the sort of game that should have been a, a Hyunmin game. It felt like the finale should have been over in two in two games. Yeah, uh, in yeah. and and that actually is one thing that actually uh, I think is interesting is uh, I'm wondering if we're even going to see a new game as round two in this season, given that every single death match has been a, a recycled one. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I'm really curious to see how they do the, the the finals this time around. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if all three of them are new games or if they're all deathmatch games that we've seen in previous seasons that weren't played this time. Maybe Black and White 2 is going to be one of them. You know, like the, That would be maybe, fun, yeah. That would be a lot of all fun. That's the place for it. Previous finals. They could do that as well. Just one game from each of the previous finals. Yeah, yeah, they could do that. Um uh, hopefully they won't do the uh, the four digit number game from season two. Um, <laughs> although it was really fun to watch uh, to watch Yoan bungle that so badly. <laughs> Are the sum of the first and third numbers is that even or odd? <laughs> Does that help you? Is that is that advantageous to you to know somehow? I, I, oh yeah. yeah. Computer Oops. scientists everywhere were just screaming at their TVs. <laughs> yeah, that was not that was not great. Um, all right, so so you've got him, and yeah, I, it's, this is a, this is so tough. I mean, I just for me again, like I think Dongmin is more likely to to be there. Maybe I don't. No, I'll go with Hyunmin because um, if the final three matches a Garnet match, Dongmin's not in position to take that right now. So he, I would guess he's probably going to at least another death match, and he's going to be the underdog. I suspect, um, even if it's just by a little bit, he's gonna he'd be the underdog in such a in such a case. So maybe he's a little less likely to get to the final. So I'll go with Hyunmin number one right now and Dongmin number two. But again, it's it seems like if you were to actually assign percentages, like does Hyunmin, who is our number one, our consensus number one pick, does he have more than a one in four chance of winning the season, do you think? With five left? Ian, what would you say? I would put it at about twenty five percent exactly, yeah. That's what I think too. Yeah, I'm I'm in this I'm on board with that. Um we, one thing just deciding deciding between those two people, if I think you know, from the perspective of any of the other remaining you know, genius contestants, I think I'm most likely if if I'm sole loser and I have to pick my deathmatch opponent, I'm probably picking Dongmin. I know that, that probably flies in the face, Scott, of what, what you would say here, but no, I I'm mean, I, I would pick him. Given what's left in the bag, what? Well, given what's left in the bag, I mean, some of these games just. I mean, we don't know how Quattro is going to work. I mean, you may as well take your chances. If if you know the final death match is going to be Quattro, I mean, take your chances, right? Well, I mean, the final death match, you don't get to pick your opponent, right? Because someone's going to win the final. Uh, well, that's, the well, that's true, but I'm. That, uh, derp. Ugh, I don't know. Sorry. It's okay. No, but, but I just think like you better, you better help me. In- yeah, Ian, you better hope you never get on one of these reality shows because you do not have a mind for it. Even if you're just playing the odds, though, I think that you know, just looking at the sure. performance of the other people who are left, you'd have to think maybe you stand a marginally better chance in a game of strategy against Dongmin. Yeah, you know what? I, going back, though, thinking looking at this list, I think I would probably pick Junsayak because even though I think he's a strong player, like... He he didn't know Monorail, right? He had to get help from from Kyunghoon to figure out what he was doing. So maybe at a game like Twelve Jangi, which again, like they're different games, but they're similar in that they're like equally solvable, unsolvable. You know, like they're solvable but not not practically. That maybe maybe if he's if he's weak at Monorail, he's weak at Twelve Jangi as well. And and the other two games are are so much luck that like you know yeah, Dongbin who's played Twelve Jangi. Yeah, and if Quattro is still meaningfully a social game, then he's at a big disadvantage because he's just. Yeah. 
socially pretty bad. Yeah, so I think I think I think I would take Junsak to the death match. I mean, not I'm not a player in the game, right? The players in the game have different motivations for how they're behaving here. But me, Scott Green, playing like inserted into this this uh, season of the genius, and oh man, that'd be great. Um, I would I would uh, pick Junsak uh, would be my first choice, and if he's got a token of life, then then I would take Dongmin. Um, it would be my second choice to take well, to a death match. Actually, going going back to what I had said earlier, I guess there is in po- in theory a possibility that the final three death match could involve some situation in which one person is way in last place and then they're playing Kingmaker, um, in which they would essentially select their opponent. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, all right, all right. Fair enough. Yeah, okay, <laughs> fine. So if you're in that position and Quattro is going to be the death match, uh, then how do you make your decision? I mean, I'd say just take take your chances against whoever you think would be... Like, who would you not want to face in the finals? Like, who would you rather just take the the coin flip against now? Right, yeah, yeah. That's a good point, yeah. So you, you're saying take the stronger player in that case because now you are you have a chance to knock him off with a 50-50 shot as opposed to in the finals, uh, you're going to have lower variance and you're going to have a, a worse yeah. shot. Yeah, we're, we're in the finals, you're probably going to be playing, like, you know, Gule Hap, 12 Jangi, something like that. Right, sure. That's a that's a good point. Uh, so before we wrap this up, any any other thoughts you guys have, uh, Ian, uh, who uh, we probably won't get to talk to again this season. Any other big thoughts about the genius this season, or any other genius thoughts that that you want to share? Uh, Jungmoon is just hot as fuck. <laughs> Are you so? Would you still say that knowing that Ah Young is coming back next week? Ah Young's my personal um, favorite. Yeah, well, Ah Young's not here right now, so she didn't hear Ian say that. So Ian can say it again when Ah Young comes back. Um, no, I, I do think, uh, you know, I do like Ah Young uh, quite a lot, and I would say that she is definitely the most attractive. Uh, although, I gotta say, in that, uh, in that send-off episode with Jung Moon, I mean, uh, her in that uh, short skirt leaning against the poker table, I mean, for what it's worth, that was, I think that was probably the best. So I actually think I would take Jung Moon uh, over Ah Young at this point. All right, duly noted. That's a hot take. Big big picture genius thoughts from the master strategist Ian Terry. Mike, anything else you want to add before we wrap up? One thing that I was thinking, I have to figure. So just talking, looking forward to the preview. The person who got the most screwed by Sangman having been eliminated early this season, probably Lawyer Kang. I'm figuring he was in line for that spot as the returnee since everyone else was, you know, not actually on this season. Mm. But as soon as Sangman got out early, they were like, "Up, oh, gotta get Sangman in there," and it's absolutely yeah. the right decision. But just sad for Lawyer King. He doesn't get. To yeah, because the other players from that video at the beginning of the season, uh, who were talking, who were like, weren't playing in the season, but were assessing the cast. He was the only one from that video who's not playing this coming match, right? Exactly. Although we are going to yeah, get, so we're going to get the it's... return of the great Kim Poong. Man, the show's Poong, really right? out there. The show's been on the down the... Uh, downhill slope ever since that guy got eliminated. <laughs> the po- the Poonga maniacs are finally getting what they've been clamoring for. It's it's happening. That's right. That's that's why next week's podcast we're gonna get we're gonna we're gonna double our listenership to eight. So I mean I don't know about you guys, but I was really hoping for Sujin. Uh, what are you? <laughs> <laughs> Does one just hope for ter- that? Just in terms of people that the the fans are dying to see, Sujin. <laughs> you know they could have brought like like where's Huijong? Like where's that guy been? He would have come back for this, right? He's, I guess, like maybe if you get season two Hui Jung, season three Hui Jung lose his number, but call season two Hui Jung's agent and see if you can get him out for a match because he was fun. Yeah, or, or let's get Hongshul out of retirement. Poor Hongshul. 
Let's get him back. Poor Honchul. All right, so that's going to do it for us for episode eight of season four of the Genius for Genius cast. I'm Scott Green. You can follow me on Twitter at WhoIsScottGreen with Mike Botta at Michael Botta. That's B-O-T-T-A. And uh, our special guest today, thank you so much for joining us, Ian Terry, at Tulane Terry on Twitter. Uh, Ian, it was a real blast. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, well, uh, that'll do it, and we will talk to you guys next week. We have another exciting special guest planned, so if you enjoyed this episode, then next week will also be another episode that, that happens, so that'll be fun as well. So thanks so much, everybody. Have a great one. We'll be back next week.